Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the HR Cartel Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Dive. Thank you for joining me. Let's do a bit of a reminder or a recap episode today, shall we? It's the start of December, end of the year. Some of those crazy changes from last year with the Labor government's uh, Secure Jobs Better Pay Act have uh, come to fruition. And the uh, the D-Day for some of those things, uh, in fact, tomorrow, the 6th of December, 2023, and also um the next day so let's remind everyone about those things let's have a bit of a chat about some recent uh ir happenings as well that have embedded some new law that uh that we're not all familiar with just yet and in a very timely manner as well because it relates to uh public holidays and we've got plenty of them coming up in december right uh january also uh so let's talk about the first thing um on a good note Employers have had a win recently, and in these times, in these years, especially with the Labor government in power um, and unions very active, we've got to celebrate the wins for employers, don't we? One of those wins recently is the Fair Work Commission's decision uh, when an employee decided to submit a claim in the Fair Work Commission against their employer to get the Fair Work Commission to uh, intervene and make a decision on the flexible working request essentially what this employee wanted to do was work 100 from home um you know that the covid period sort of brought this about uh this person uh used the excuse that he's going for custody of his child um it would suit him and be more beneficial as a carer to be working from home 100 um and also get this irritable bowel syndrome was one of his major reasons too uh, so he can get to the toilet quickly enough if he's working from home. So um, needless to say, the Fair Work Commission didn't fall for that one. They didn't approve that uh, that request. And 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 that's a good thing, right? The, the, the commission has done the right thing there. Now, what employers fail to understand or, or don't really know um, when I have conversations with them about these things is that um, there are a, a set of rules or a set of circumstances that exist that determine when or who someone or who can request a flexible working arrangement um you know yes they are um there, there are uh items on that list such as a carer of a parent of a young child who's in school um or uh, or before school age as well um you know carers of of sick people or parents and that sort of thing so a, a couple of those elements that this employee used may be on that list right um, but an employer can say no. For an employee to make this request, they've also got to be in that role for 12 months or they've got to be employed for 12 months. And what, a lot of my clients are feeling like they have to bend over backwards or approve flexible working arrangement requests for new employees too. They uh, they, they feel sort of trapped uh, and, and incorrectly are assuming that they're required to be far more flexible with those employees too. The fact is you don't need to be. Okay, that employee that's that's been with you under twelve months doesn't have the right to request flexible working arrangements. So, um, yeah, they can they can request them, of course, but um, they can't rely on the Fair Work Commission to come in and intervene like this gentleman did recently, um, and have them um, preside over the the request and and try to force the employer's hand in letting them work from home. So, don't feel like you're going to be subjected to that if you've got an employee less than 12 months in asking you to work from home more, um, that's not going to happen. So a lot of employers are shooting themselves in the foot 
by feeling like they have to be flexible and they have to give uh, an approval to those sorts of, sorts of requests. Just So just get clear on that. This guy uh, who uh, who lost his, uh, his request recently, um, so what happened is he's been he's been working from home the employer instructed that employee to come back into the office and they um, went back and forth the employer even has um uh, has you know um given us some ground and said well look let's start with 40% then after a few months we'll go back to 60% um and you know a bit of a gradual increase back back in office time so not 100% office time right but this employee was was just refusing to do it um, so thankfully, the employers have a win. The Fair Work Commission did find in favour of the employer there, and that should be a sign of good things to come. Um, the, the the working from home entitlement um, that seems to be out there uh, is prevalent, you know, and of course COVID brought it about, right? Um, but frankly, it's a bit of bullshit, isn't it? That, you know, there's so many people claiming that working from home, they are more productive, they're a better employee, they're happier, all this sort of stuff. It's just not the case. It's not the case. You work for a company, you work for an employee, you signed an employment contract. Now, unless you signed, signed an employment agreement and the, the employment was a work-from-home-based employment offer, right, that's a different thing. The, the, the job design has been done. The employer has decided, yes, they can do this. They've gone to market and offered it. They've made the decisions um, that the business can handle it, right? That's a different scenario. But if you're an employee coming in willy-nilly and within three, four, five months, you're saying, no, I, I want to change I want to change how this all works now um, and I'm going to work from home and you should let me and you should pay for, for the desk and the computer and, and, and all this sort of stuff. Oh, don't worry, I'll be, I'll be more productive. Not the case. It's just not the case. So, you know, the, the leftover remnants of the COVID era, um, will sort of play out in this scenario too. But thankfully, once more, the Fair Work Commission decision shows employers will be supported with reasonably requesting people come back to the office now. Um, so that's a good sign, uh, a, a very good sign. I'm just going to go in and I've got a list of things that I want to make sure I, I cover off this time around because, as I said, it is December. Um, let's talk about um, public holiday the public holidays coming up, the the recent ruling that was against BHP Billiton. And I'll, I'll refresh your memory on this. It was a few months back. Um, and uh, the the ruling was BHP Billiton had um, uh, had an enormous failure in their rostering processes. And what they did was they would just – so let's, let's paint the picture a bit. Look at mining operations, for example. They're working all year round, right? They don't stop. There's just tons and tons of coal or ore or whatever it is they're digging up um, all day long, going into processing plants, being dumped onto trains or boats or whatever it is, and, and, and off they go, right? That's just happening. So by nature, these businesses roster, you know, a year ahead. Week on, week off is pretty easy. Two weeks on, two weeks off, whatever it is, right? Public holidays fall in those rosters. Uh, now, these businesses pay enormous wages well above any awards, right? So um, now unless there's an enterprise agreement in place where you've got different rules, let's just treat it as if there's awards. So what that means is essentially they can offset um, penalties and allowances and loadings and uh, such as public holiday loadings, right? So 
incorrectly, they've gone ahead and assumed they can just roster you on for public holidays. And because they pay you so much, um, you, you've got to work. That's kind of how they run their system. Um, this ruling a few months back decided that, no, that's not the way it happens. That's not the way it's supposed to work. And that for every single employee you have, you should be assuming they're not working and you should be going to those employees individually and requesting them formally, would you please work on the public holiday? Um, and now, of course, they can refuse, but there's also unreasonable refusals that come into play as well. And some of those factors are, like I said before, how much are you paid? Now, are you paid to a degree that um, would uh, warrant that that refusal is unreasonable? Is the contract that you signed and entered into, was that based on the the, uh, the assumption or the agreement, not, not assumption, but the agreement that you would work public holidays, that that is part of the role, that is part of the requirements. You entered that and, um, you know, um, and accepted those terms and you accepted the pay for those terms. Therefore, your refusal is probably going to be unreasonable. Nonetheless, nonetheless, the rules were changed a few months back. And they were, like I said, that employers must assume all employees are going to not work public holidays and they have to be asked. So BHP Billiton then, um, they put in a dispute or appeal request. They tried to appeal the ruling and we were all in the HR world, the IR world, we were all hanging on this to happen. We all knew it would happen. We knew the appeal would be there because the cost cost to, to a company that has tens of thousands of employees will be enormous. Um, so, of course, they appealed. However, that appeal was knocked back. They were not allowed to appeal. So um, the outcome of that now means that this rule that's been made about public holidays a few months back, it's now embedded law. So we now all must operate with that knowledge. Now, you've got public holidays coming up. If you've got a business, there's plenty of those coming up, right? Christmas, Boxing Day, New Year's, um, Australia Day, uh, then further on in February, I think it is, we've got Anzac Day. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch coming up. Um, businesses that are in hospitality, for example, cafes, restaurants, retail, they regularly work public holidays. Some of those businesses only have a couple of employees. Some of them have plenty, hundreds, right? So it's going to be a pain in your ass, isn't it, to go individually one by one and beg, essentially, employees to work on these public holidays. But you've got to do it. There's a way to do it and, um, you know, I won't, I won't go into detail of um, of uh, giving you step-by-step instructions on, on how I would do it, but there, there are ways to simplify it. It is a pain in the ass administratively, uh, but now, unfortunately, embedded law with this appeal being knocked back. So be aware of that because there's big penalties if you get that wrong. There's a reminder for you there. The next thing is annual leave in advance. Earlier in the year, the commission changed 78 modern awards. And there's a long list of modern awards there where the rulings, uh, well, the the rules now are that if you want to have a closed down period such as the Christmas time coming up now, the end of year festive period. If you want to have a temporary closure period, you've got to give at least 28 days notice to those employees. Now, that ship sailed for where we are today. Today is the 5th of December, 2023. So that 28-day period's probably sailed 
If you haven't already given notice, you better do it right away. Uh, but you, if you, especially if you're on this list of 78 awards that got a, got amended earlier in the year, um, give that notice right away. Okay. Now, the annual leave in advance component of this means that if you're going to close down temporarily for a closure period or a quiet period, whatever you want to call it, and you require your staff to take annual leave over that break and they don't have annual leaves to cover them over that break, then you've got to let you guys or girls, that's workers, employees, um, you've got to make um, agreements that they can go into debt or get annual leave in advance is another way to put it. Um, now, you do that by making an agreement. And again, there's a way you do this to make it simple. But, um, you know, these are individual agreements with your employees. Let, again, let's say, you know, you've got a 1,000 employees. That's, you know, let's say oh, 10% started in the last month or maybe, maybe you had a ramp up to this busy period to get things done. Um, and the, it's going to continue on uh, early next year and, and into next year. So you're going to keep these people employed. They wouldn't have annual leave accrued just yet. So if your business operates in an industry which is governed by these modern awards, these 78 modern awards, then you're going to have to determine how you're going to go into agreements or get written agreements that specifies how much annual leave is being given in advance. That's the debt, right? That's the debt that that employee now owes you. And while you're at that, you also want to have in the same agreement, I would suggest, an authority to deduct. Let's say that, that uh, this employee or these, these bunch of employees maybe uh, go into debt. You pay them all through this break and they go into debt um, and they start a new job in January or February. You're never going to recover that money back, right? That's a loss to the business. Um, so you want to make sure you've got a, uh, a, a authority to deduct to the amount of the annual leave that they're going into debt for. Um, and you want that in the same agreement document so it's easy, right? And again, like I said, I'm not going to go in step by step and tell you how to do it, but um, that's how I'll be doing it. Uh, what I'm going to do is I might, in, in the show notes for this episode, I might put a list up. So this, there's a, a blog post I wrote back earlier in the year when this, uh, when this announcement was made of these amendments. And I wrote about the details of it and I listed every single award that was on that list, 78 awards. So in the show notes, I'll put a link to that blog post, go down the bottom of the page, look at the big list, see if your your modern award is on that list and then uh, you fall into that boat definitely. But don't just take that list as gospel. Make sure you check your modern award. If it's not on that list, just check it anyway might be rules that you don't know about that you've got to comply with with respect to annual leave and that sort of thing. So another item that I want to remind you about, and this is an important one, a um, bit difficult now that I'm doing it today because tomorrow is the last, uh, well, today is the last time you could probably muck around here with fixed-term contracts because as of tomorrow, new rules apply. As of the 6th of December, if you've got a fixed-term contract with an employee or a maximum term contract. Um, so th th what, what are those two things? So a fixed term contract is a, um, it's a permanent employment, could be part-time or full-time. Uh, it's got a start date and it's got an end date. 
and it could be for a 12-month period, a three-month period, a two-year period, a three-year period, whatever whatever it is, right? Um, a maximum term contract is a similar type of contract, but it, it can be – it has um, options where it can be ended earlier than the proposed end date. That's a maximum term contract. They both fall under the new rules of this fixed term contract um, amendment, right? That is that uh, as of tomorrow, as of the 6th of December, fixed term contracts can only go for a period of two years. You can have one extension in there, but that extension has to be inclusive in the two-year period that the fixed term contract goes for. Now, there are some exemptions, such as you know government-funded programs that end at some point that go for more than two years and you're employed for that for that purpose um uh don't hold this hold me to account this one but there could be some you know let's say you got you say you got a um there's some types of visas or you know you got a you know, visa approved for for a busy period or a harvest period or something like that in agriculture now those periods aren't going to go for more than two years of, of course um but that, that there's some exemptions in there it's high income threshold exemptions, and I think the high income threshold right now is one hundred and sixty-seven and a half thousand dollars. And you've got to also be not covered by a modern award. Um, unlikely you would be if you're getting paid that much money, but um, uh, that's an exemption for this rule as well. Okay, uh, but uh, essentially after today, so from tomorrow, um, your, your your maximum employment term. And a fixed term contract or a maximum or a maximum term contract is going to be two years. Uh, I've got I've I've given some advice, which is um, anyone who requires these fixed term contracts, um, you know, genuinely requires them to be more than two years, um, extend it or issue the new term today, before today, or by today, um, so that you can actually have a contract that was put in place, was agreed to prior to the new rules coming into play. Again, just a reminder, um, tomorrow's or today's D-Day, this this message probably isn't going to reach enough people in that time. Uh, But um, nonetheless, at least you will now know for the fixed-term contracts that you already have that have gone now into this new rule period, you've only got two years. Okay? So keep that in mind. Now, uh, zombie agreements. Here's the last reminder I want to give you because this is, again, a December ruling. As of 7th of December, um, I believe it is, there's a list of zombie agreements. Zombie agreements are what – so essentially if you've got a – let's say from the work choices era, the John Howard era, um, uh, pre-Fair Work Act, pre-2010, um, if you've got a collective agreement or an enterprise agreement uh, that was made back then that hasn't been terminated yet, it's still in play, right? It's still in uh, it, it's still in, in 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 power essentially, even if it's expired. That's how it works. Um, but uh, the the Labor government in in that recent bill last year, they put in a term for sunsetting those agreements. So that means that the cutoff date was it's as of the seventh of December. Uh, this year, so in a couple of days' time from now, if you've got one of those zombie agreements and the government has, well, the Fair Work Commission has a list of every one of those agreements on their website, you can go and, you can go and check if your, your agreement's there. And it's a, a downloadable spreadsheet too, so you can download the spreadsheet, 
punch in your, you know, control left, punch in your, your company's name and it'll, it'll come up. Um, but as of the 7th of December, that's dead and your company will now operate under the relevant modern awards. Um, so be aware of that. You were supposed to have, if you are on that list, you were supposed to have given your employees notice back in July, I think it was. Um, uh, I could be wrong there, but it was earlier this year. You, you had to give them notice of the looming termination date, the sunsetting date. So if you didn't do that, there's a bit of a breach there, um, a bit of a technical breach. Uh, but nonetheless, your modern award will now run your business in terms of compliance for employment regulations as of the 7th. So make sure you know what that is. If you don't know what it is, then reach out, you know, get get some advice, get some help because it's a bloody confusing system. You know, it's, it's terrible. Um, you know, you've got, you've got all these tribunals, you've got all these layers of this act and this act and this standard and that code and all this sort of drama, you know. So make sure you're getting some advice. Um, even even HR people struggle with this stuff, you know. Um, it's you know, let, let's 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 talk about that. Like, you know, the, the system we operate in, um, it's wide. It's, it's known as, and what it's been referred to so many times as the most complicated employment law system in the world. Um, I'd, I'd have to agree because I don't I don't really see any others that are as complicated as as this. You know, you've got uh, the Fair Work Act, which kind of underpins everything, right? Everyone knows what the Fair Work Act is. Everyone's heard of Fair Work. You've got the Fair Work Act. Then you've got National Employment Standards, and that's a list of standards. It used to be 10 standards. It's more now. Um, they keep on adding things to it, um, you know, and, and, and they're sort of safety nets. They're the two safety nets. Well, modern awards as well go on top of that. So you've got about 122 or so modern awards um, that determine – they're determined by industry or, or occupation, essentially. So you've got the Fair Work Act, which applies to, to all national system employees, the National Employment Standards, which also applies to all national system employees, um, and uh, and including people on that are covered by enterprise agreements, right? The National Employment Standards goes to them as well. Um, and then you've got modern awards and, of course, enterprise agreements. So there's four different pieces of legislation. Uh, just there on their own, okay? Now you've got, you know, small business fair dismissal codes. Um, you've got employment schemes like the PALM scheme. The PALM scheme is where industries like in agriculture or aged care, let's use those two as, as, as examples, uh, where there aren't enough people in Australia to fill these seats. Now, let's look at agriculture, for example. Agriculture has about 200,000 vacant jobs it can't fill uh, because we don't have enough Australians to fill those jobs. What do we do? Our government's got a, a scheme called the Palm Scheme, and that gets Pacific Island labour, um, temporary visas to come and work in agricultural operations or or like industries. So you got the you got um, a deed that approved employers have to sign um, to engage those Palm Scheme workers. There's another piece of legislation. Um, you know we've got uh, tribunals and commissions with um, varying jurisdictions. You've got state-based industrial relations commissions. You've got uh, the Fair Work Commission, which is the, uh, the, 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 the National System Tribunal. Um, 
that here's a certain things in, in their jurisdiction, a certain set of things in their jurisdiction. You've got a human rights commission that might preside over your workplace, you know, not to mention the, like I said, the state-based in, here in Queensland, the, the Queensland Industrial Relations Commission, uh, which might hear matters on safety and, uh, you know, and, and, and other, other, other things as well. Um, you know, then some matters get kicked into the federal circuit court and then up to the high court. And so, you know, this complicated system um, is, is very, very tricky. Not to mention the fact we've got a Labor government in power, in power now, which has rolled out a, uh, a, a bill this time last year. Um, they've got their second bill in the Senate right now, uh, waiting for it to get approved, and that'll come into play most likely next year. No one really knows what the final result of that's going to look like just yet. But these are more complicated and complex changes and acts and, and you know, things that change employment law in the country. You know, professionals, um, uh, the, you know, practitioners like myself, HR and industrial relations practitioners, we can't fucking keep up with this. How the hell are employers supposed to keep up with it? You know, and especially smaller employers. Forget about these tier ones. You know, I say BHP Billiton a lot, and that's probably because I worked with them back, back in the day. Um, you know, but I worked with companies like BHP and Santos and a, and a big multinational named uh, Wood Group back then. I think, I think they're just called Wood now. Um, uh, you know, I've, and I've worked with smaller businesses and, and they're very, very different, right? These larger companies have teams, hundreds of HR people. They have internal counsel and you know, legal teams. Um, yeah, and, and, and even they fuck up. Even they get it wrong. You know? So um, it's very difficult to keep up. It's very hard. So make sure you're getting advice. You know, some of these, the, 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 let's talk about this uh, closing loopholes bill um, and, and, and some telling things in there as to why you should be, always be getting advice. Uh, you know, some elements that the union's pushing, the ACTU, which is the Australian Council of Trade Unions, that, that body there is a major influence in your workplaces, right? Employers are subject to whatever mood these guys find themselves in. They represent about 40 or so, I think 38 or 40 different unions. Um, they're kind of a peak body for the union movement in Australia. Um, they're right down there, rubbing shoulders with elbow, down in, in, in Canberra. They're in Tony Burke's ear. You know, they're all best pals. They're all ex-colleagues. Um, and they are pushing the line as far as they possibly can while a government, while, while a Labor government is in power. Um, they want business owners to go to jail if you make mistakes. And they're calling it wage theft. Now, intentional wage theft, so intentionally knowing what you have to pay people saying, no, nah, fuck that, I'm not doing that, I'm going to pay you less. That's very rare, right? That's a very rare occurrence in this country. Does it happen? Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, you know, the Fair Work Ombudsman um, are a body who go and investigate claims of, of, of uh, underpayments and things like that. Now, Fair Work Ombudsman is not the Fair Work Commission. They're two different things, hence the, the complexity we are talking about before. But, um, you know, the, the ACTU, wants no exemptions of these penalties for small businesses, for small business owners. Now, what if you're making just an honest mistake? All right. It, it, it's, the system is so bloody complex um, that it's too easy to make mistakes. And it could be as, as, as simple as not understanding 
the rules around how you can roster your workforce. For example, and I'm going to quote um, uh, uh, Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, I think, um, uh, I forget who it was now, but they, they at the National IR Conference I was at in, in October uh, where they stated that, you know, the, the Building and Construction Award, for example, pretty common award in Australia, the industry that employs a lot of people, a lot of businesses operate in that, in that industry, are governed by this award. There are 1,200 words you've got to know and read before you can figure out what time your employees can start and finish and how you can structure their days and how you're supposed to pay them for that, right? 1,200 words just to model your day for your employee. One element, right? Um, very easy to make a mistake. Very easy to set a start time that you don't know attracts a penalty rate. You run that for six months. You had no idea. All of a sudden, you got 20 employees with a debt that's accrued for six months. You're going to be accused of wage theft. The ACTU is pushing the government to give you no exemptions, even though you're a small business. Maybe maybe you're, you're a husband and wife team, for example. Maybe your wife is looking after three kids at home, trying to, trying to do the books, trying to do quotes and invoicing and you know reconciliations and trying to support their, her husband um, who's running a, a crew of three or four construction workers, building new houses and that sort of thing. Um, and maybe they just didn't get it right. Maybe they just, they just couldn't understand it. They didn't have the time, the resources, the energy, the un, the, the knowledge to to interpret what it all meant. Um, they didn't get advice. They didn't find out. Right. Um, in that scenario, um, the the ACTU wants you to potentially go to jail. Yeah, and penalties of up to almost I think seven point eight million dollars in penalties. For wage theft. That's what they're asking the government to to uh, to put in place. Um, frightening, right? Absolutely frightening. Anyhow, anyhow. Do you need any more reasons to get advice? <laughs> I don't think so. That, that frightens me. You know, and 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 even I, I know uh, a lot more than than the average punter, um, and I don't know at all. Uh, yeah, there's still things that I've got to consistently go and research again and review, keep on top of decisions that the high court's making and the Fair Work Commission's making. You know, uh, it's a it's a full time job just trying to keep up. It's really difficult. So anyway, so a few reminders there for you for for December. Uh, take notice of those things. Um, you know, we're, we're we're coming into a period now um, where, you know, the 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 liability for um, or the, the ability to make a lot of payroll mistakes is is really high, um, just because of the amount of public holidays and um, you know you, you a lot of businesses this time of the year are going to be, but you know both sides of the spectrum. Um, half the companies in the, in the country are going to be telling people not to come to work. They're going to shut the doors and say no, take your leave, take your holidays. We're slowing down. So these these seventy eight uh, modern awards I mentioned before that were updated might be telling you that you've got to let these people go and do advanced annual leave or debt um, with your company to have them covered for that annual leave period. Massive compliance risks there and, and financial risks there for the business. And on the other side of the spectrum, you've got companies who are ramping up, um, employing casual workforces, labour hire people uh, to try and fill productivity gaps uh, to be able to handle the, the busy period because they're going to work through you know, retail hospitality, restaurants, hotels, all this sort of stuff. Um, so it, it's a really complicated period of time. 
December, January. So, um, you know, look, I'll, I'll keep recording some um, some some podcasts and episodes to to stay in touch with those who need it most uh, throughout this this period. But um, you know, th- those things we've gone through today should be at the front of your mind. Uh, if you need help to understand them, then reach out. You can jump on www.workplaceas.com. Um, if you want to just shoot a quick question, you can do that. Um, if you want to book in a consultation, you can do that as well. If you want to get some advice on documents, on contracts, on you know um, agreements to have uh, annual leave debt accrued by by your people, then reach out. Please do it. It's uh, it's worth doing once to get it right and to protect and safeguard your business from uh, from losing money and losing people. Uh, cool. Okay. Let's wrap that one up. Thank you for joining me once more. Uh, Until next time, keep a tight workplace.